Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman. Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day is a negotiation. Rakeem Brooks. This is a common good that we are talking about. Amani wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles. That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. All right, all. So as I was looking for a topic this week, I came across uh, two things. In the morning, actually, I saw, I don't know if it was on MSNBC or one of the cable networks, but it was this whole piece with Christine uh, Emba, who was talking about masculinity and manhood. And then I found the corresponding Washington Post piece, which I think is worth a read. Uh, And the essential thesis is masculinity is in crisis, right? Um, Women and women, ident- female identifying people have found themselves in the last 50 years that what feminism did was it augmented a sense of self and that it's sort of unspoken in the piece, but at least that that societal disruption, women understanding themselves differently, not just as uh, homemakers and caretakers, but rather in the full range of possibilities that they could embrace just like any other person, that that has unsettled things. And it's led to weird phenomena like incels, and it's just led to people questioning even how is it that I understand myself as a man without- Can you mass. define incel? Because there will be people who have- There will be people who need to know. And I no, I actually don't want to define incel because I only roughly understand. I have not researched this, but- I am a red pill incel expert. So we're about to oh. get deep into it. Oh, okay, Amani, you want to explain what an incel is quickly? Yes. An incel means involuntarily celibate, involuntarily celibate. So it's a group of men who feel like it is not their fault that they are not able to partner with women. It's society's fault. It's the the chads of the world is what they call the successful, handsome men who are able to land women. Um, And they have a community where they kind of support each other and kind of pass the blame around as to why they can't get intimate relations with women. That's literally what it is. Really, yeah, basically, who, that, guys right. who can't get dates, basically. <laughs> I think it's much deeper than that, folks. It is the article, but, yeah. but Amani knows for real. You could tell based on the layers that she was already providing. I only knew about the involuntary celibacy, and that itself didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because most men are involuntarily celibate for a long time before they're not. So <laughs> why this became a category of one sort or another? But okay, so back to the point, right? What I really wanted to bring to the group is. Is masculinity a term that we will even have in 50 years? Will it sort of evaporate or dissolve? Does it have any usefulness? Because as I was reading through the article, the thing that I thought, and maybe this was a feminist teacher way back when, but you watch the video even, they ask, okay, give me a trait associated with masculinity. And usually these are virtuous traits writ large. You want somebody to be courageous and strong and um, brave in the midst of uh, difficulty or something like that, right? That they are a caretaker for a large group of people, potentially. That all of those things were things that you could readily ascribe to women and you could call it a masculine behavior. It could just call it a virtue writ large. And as I thought back to the men that I revere in my family and in my life, almost all of their traits are just virtues writ large. And so we could, rather than talking about masculinity per se, talk about virtue. I'd add to this kind of conversation that nevertheless, as I was moving towards that very liberal end of the spectrum, like this doesn't make any sense. Why are you talking? I was uh, caught by the very simple notion that men have testosterone, right? And whether you're 
a cisgender male or a transgender male, that whole process of testosterone moving through your body creates a kind of biological difference that allows you to, for example, build more muscle um, than someone else. And so the question then became, all right, well, is there some moral relationship between testosterone that I'm missing that people are like violently hanging on to? And I always try to keep an open mind, right? Like things we did in the past, we don't need to get rid of everything. Like Justice Gorsuch has this line about, you know, you walk past this fence that's been built and like, you don't see why the fence has been built, but that doesn't mean you should tear it down. That's the one conservative part of me was like, I see things up and I'm like, there might be a reason for it. So society developed this notion of masculinity. Of course, it was overrun with all sorts of um, sexist, homophobic reasons and ways of controlling society. But any utility to it left? I'm going to start with Jeff. Mm, yeah, of course you're going to start with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never know where the libertarians are going to go on things like this. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Y'all are a little bit un- unpredictable. Yes, we are. You know, this was a tough one for me. I, and I wish I would have had some time to think about it more because there's just a lot there. I mean, especially with all this fuss over people like Andrew Tate right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting on conservatives cases for venerating this man as some symbol of masculinity just because he says some things that you agree with. Meanwhile, there's a video of him beating on a woman, which is one of the most least masculine things that I believe a, a, a man can do. I mean, and it's just it goes into that whole red pill, um, manosphere, um, incel um, issue. And it's just like if you have to, like, reassert your manhood so much, maybe you don't have much of it. I don't really put I don't really put any partisan spin on it. I mean, I've met men on the left who are who I think are very masculine. And I've met some dudes on the right who are not very masculine. So to me, it's like. Does it have any utility? I think it. I, I think it still does, and I think it still will because of the biology that you brought up, Rakim. Um, you know, if I'm walking down the street with my lady and somebody comes and tries to, to rob us, I am better equipped to handle that. I am physically stronger, and I always will be. In general, men are stronger, physically stronger uh, than, than women, and there. I think that there is an element of that that feeds into our personalities, the way our society is, is built, our social and cultural norms, I think masculinity is still going to be a thing. I just think that the the, the idea of masculinity has already changed over time. And I'm saying this as a, some, somebody who actually believes in more of a traditional view of masculinity, but I still recognize that that changes over time and, and that might look different. Like, for instance, like you've got stay-at-home dads. Me personally, I wouldn't want to do that. Would I judge another man who does that? Probably not. I might think it's a little weird, but at the same time, if masculinity can present in, in different ways. So mm-hmm. I, I see it going more of a through more of a change in how we you understand judge it. it but you feel worse, like you shouldn't yeah. say that, right? You're like you kind of do judge it, but you feel like you're not supposed to say it. No, well, because I, I really don't think I, I judge it. Like, I don't think that's a that's that guy is not a real man. I wouldn't say that. But I, I just Did think, think it's it. No, I wouldn't actually. I, okay. I think it's a little right. weird, but but I but you I don't see, think that's, that's what I'm saying. You think it's a little weird, right? That's that's yeah. an indicator, right? There's something there that's kind of you're you're trying to figure out. No, I, but go ahead. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. different from the norm that I grew up with. So I'm I'm gonna think it's a little weird, just like people might think my ideas are weird too. That that that's fine. I mean, these are things that we can talk about. But I do think I don't think that in, in 50 years to answer your question, Rakim, I don't think that the term or the idea is going to to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you said, Jeff, quickly, if I just jump on it, because this gets back to like the distinction I'm trying to draw, which is, are we talking about masculinity? Are we talking about something else? Just like how we talk about men? I was, you know, I go to Mm -hmm. jujitsu. 
I rolled with a young woman earlier who I guarantee you, if I had to choose her or you, Jeff, to protect me, it's definitely her, right? Like <laughs> it has nothing to do, right? She's just a, she's a now a trained martial artist. So it's not actually about masculinity per se. Your point is like on average, right? Like you're stronger than your girlfriend, all it, absent training. <laughs> it's sort of the point, right? We all could be that strong, capable of defending ourselves, et cetera, if that was a priority and maybe we just default, but I'm sorry, Imani, I interrupted. I, but that, no, that's fine. what I'm trying to get into. This is a good conversation. And I feel like if the manosphere had more conversations like this, then it would probably be in a healthier place because they tie um, masculinity to it's such a complicated arena to play in when you get in there because they tie masculinity to things like financing, providing, protecting, you know, uh, having a traditional household, having a woman that raises your kids and takes care of the home and all of those things. But at the same time, they vilify women who are successful, who can provide for themselves um, and, and, and so on. So it's a very confusing dynamic that I feel like some of these modern men have put themselves in. It's like they want this traditional masculine lifestyle, but at the same time, they don't want to be with a partner who will rely on them for that masculinity, if that makes sense. So they want a woman who will stay at home, take care of the kids, raise their family, um, cook and clean and all of that stuff. But at the same time, they don't want to provide financially for the home. So it's like, where, what are y'all getting at? Like, there seems to be um, like with the Andrew Tates of the world and a lot of these red pill podcasters, there's they're clinging to pieces of masculinity that allow them to have dominion over women. That's essentially right. what a lot of it is. Um, but at the same time, they don't remember historically in order to have that dominion over women that you want so bad, you have to be able to protect and provide for them. That's the whole exchange. So it just kind of comes into this very weird thing. That's, and that's, I believe, why it's become so hateful is because the love and the care for the woman, the protective mechanism that they in this dynamic tied masculinity to, they're not willing to do. So it turns into them beating women, like you say, the uh, and uh, Andrew Tate being caught uh, being a sex trafficker. And it turns into you see all this violence towards women and you see them uh, making masculinity something so toxic and disgusting, frankly. And that's kind of how they're starting to frame what masculinity is. And they whenever they describe a woman who can provide for herself or who is capable, they call her masculine in a negative way. So it just kind of seems like a big jumbled argument that I really don't know what their goal is in the conversation. And I think it's helping their incel cause either. I don't think it's helping them with women if that's even what they want. So it's very, it's confusing. I'm confused by the red pillars. I don't get what they <laughs> want at the end of the day. Oh, man, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I don't know that I can tie them together very well. One thing is, like you were saying, Amani, um, this toxic masculinity, which begs the question, what is, you know, non-toxic masculinity, which I think is what Rakeem is asking. And I think a lot of people are asking, uh, which is also the question of, like, what's the distinction between being a good man and being a good human? You know, is there a distinction? That's that's the question, right? Is there a difference between being a good woman and being a good human? That's another you know similar question. But like this view of masculinity as the subjection, you know, the subjugation, the dominance of women, as opposed to the view of masculinity as your role is to provide, protect, empower, bring out the best of without stifling, you know, without suppressing, without uh, subjugating or whatever. You know, it also strikes me um, there, there's a problem. You said I love the comment you made, Amani, about how like in the manosphere, I wish we could have these conversations or wish men could have these conversations. 
I'm trying to imagine a world or a scenario in which a guy is with a bunch of guys and, and he suddenly says, you know, guys, um, I'll be honest, I don't feel particularly masculine. And I'm com- kind of hoping that you can tell me, you know, what it means to be a man. <laughs> like it's an almost impossible thing to imagine because you're just supposed to know you're just supposed to do. You're not supposed to ask. The fact that you ask makes you weak to begin with. Whereas I can easily imagine women getting around and a woman saying, you know, honestly, I just don't feel all that feminine. Oh, here, honey, here's what we can do. You know, like it'd be a very easy conversation to have um, beating Andrew, up. Women. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Rakeem. I, I was going to, I wanted to follow up on that because it's yeah. an interesting perspective. I, I'm not sure if I agree or disagree, but at least to color it, I could imagine adult men struggling with that. But our entire conversation about the absence of fathers is all about the ability to train a new generation of men. Right? That's right. And so we do, we routinely have that conversation in society, which is because men aren't there, the other men. I, I remember the craziest analogy once, but I can't remember who brought it up. But um, someone was comparing human beings to elephants, and they were pointing out that if a male elephant is um, outside of the presence of other male elephants when they're coming up in adolescence, they're just buck wild. They just like tear stuff up. Like it requires the strength of the older men to like bring them in to compliance with the ordinary social order. And we have so many images like that among men, right? That the reason these young men act the way they do is because they had no father figures. They had no older men who could put them into place. So we do actually have some conversation like that, but your point is, well taken that among sort of adult, you know, citizenship age men um, or franchise age men, like that conversation sort of drips away, except then back to Amani's point, everything on social media is about all these folks looking for these men who are bodybuilders, these men who tell them how it is that they can relate to women and get laid more, et cetera, et cetera, which all feels toxic and not productive. And I think the problem with those conversations is that they're giving each other bad advice. And that's why I ask, what is the goal here? Y'all are telling, oh, in order to end up with this woman that you want to be at home and raise your kids, be an asshole to her. Treat her bad. She's going to love it. And I can like, answer your question. Go ahead, Jim. The goal is clout, clicks, and cash. It's a grift. <laughs> the manosphere, by and large, is a grip. Just look at Hannah Pearl Davis or pearly things or whatever. You know, it, it is a grip. Yes, they build yes. entire platforms based on identifying a group of people that view themselves as victims. And they build a platform off of telling them what they want to hear every day. So she trashes women all the time, which is what they want to hear because they want to think that them not having a woman is their fault or not being able to meet the right woman is or is not their fault. So I think that that's what the manosphere is based on largely. Not all of them. I think there's some good characters there. I think a lot of it, too, is a backlash against the left because they believe that the left is attacking masculinity. I think there's truth to that. But honestly, I think both sides have some good and bad ideas about masculinity. Rakim, what you laid out is an issue. I mean, and, and Andrew, too. And I think, you know, men don't really talk about these things because it's discouraged. This is where I see people on the left saying maybe men should be able to talk about their feelings more, maybe in a certain context. I remember when I was younger, I go to church all the time. I, I went to men's groups and those men's groups were designed for that purpose, to give men an outlet so that they can converse with each other about these things, even break down crying with it not being condemned. You've got strong men coming around each other. The fatherlessness is a huge issue. And that's one reason 
reason why these grifters get so much clout. I mean, I'm not going to put Jordan Peterson in this thing because I don't classify him as a grifter. I think he has a lot of good things to say about masculinity, even though I don't agree with all of it. But that's where you get the Andrew Tates. That's where you get these toxic people who are taking the place, that father figure role and teaching them toxic stuff. And honestly, it's very much damaging to, to men and in the future to society. Yes, you better preach, Jeff. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And yes, I, I can't even say nothing. I agree yeah. with you 100,000 percent. That's the problem. Andrew, I, I interrupted you. I just want to make sure you got back. In. Oh, no, no, no. I, I Yeah, I kind of I, I said this one little phrase that uh, it still sticks to me. I wish I hadn't said it, but it's what I was going to say is um, the idea of there being fundamental differences right between men and women and there being fundamental differences between what it means to be masculine, and what it means to be feminine. Um, you know, I forget who of you had said it, but you were talking a little bit about violence against women. And um, it, it suddenly struck me. I'd never thought of it quite this way before. But, you know, a man who beats up a woman is an incredible villain. A man who beats up another man is just a good boxer. You know, <laughs> like there's there's fundamental differences, even in terms of how we interact physically with each other. Um, I, You know, Jeff, I want to I want to go a little farther than you, though, on. The war against men uh, that's been conducted by the feminist and or the left or, you know, you pick it over the last about 30 years or so. uh, Men have been told and they haven't been, you know, deaf to the message that there's something wrong with you. There's something unnecessary about you. Uh, The more you can be like women and be sensitive and caring and listening, the better you are, as in the more unlike a man you can be, the better you are. And so we've gotten ourselves into a place where. Even something as uncontroversial as men are stronger and faster and better at sports than women, as a general rule, is something that somebody testifying in Congress can't bring herself to admit to, even though it's obvious, because like if I put up on I'm in a classroom and I put up on a chalkboard, you know, tell me the things that women are better at than men, all these things. And then I say, well, tell me the things that men are better at than women. You know, like stunned silence, like. Even if I think of one, I'm not supposed to say it because we're not supposed to have that opinion. And so we we really do find ourselves in a place where it's there's a need for the kind of distorted teaching that, you know, you guys are talking about because there's been a gap and because there's been a cultural movement to tell men that they are irrelevant. They don't matter. And uh, we don't really need to cultivate this thing. In fact, it's usually kind of a problem because it's really only toxic or some degree of toxicity. So that's yeah, I, and- I, I agree with that concern. Yeah. And that toxic masculinity it, it has a very wide definition, depending on who you're talking to. So I agree right. with everything you just said. <laughs> I think yeah. we have to as far as like because I'm thinking masculine, feminine, femininity, people need to find partnership dynamics that make sense for them. I think Amen. that's the thing that makes oh, sense. So good. Like, we're trying to ascribe one way of being masculine, one way of being mm-hmm. feminine to all relationship dynamics. And there's different ones like for me, I'm, I'm a straight cis hit woman okay i've been dating straight men my whole life so i have a lot of experience in this as far as you know I, huh, what you say? <laughs> so, far, so far as you know oh my god i always have to remind people well, Ra- Raheem, you, you got some tea you got some tea <laughs> but like i'm quote successful you know i have a business all of those things i can fully take care of myself i can pay all my bills all of that at the same time do i want to no I want somebody that can take care of me. You know, other Uh women who are in my position don't want that. They don't want to be told like, what I need you to take care of me for. We can pay the bills. We can go 50, 50. I'm not 50, 50, nothing. 
You know, so I still have some of those traditional <laughs> toxic femininity, whatever it is. I want to kick my feet up and let the man do it. That's me personally. But there's going to be other women who agree with me politically in a lot of other ways who will just, you know, they'll say that I'm wrong for believing that or feeling that way. You know, I'm quick to say, can he change a tire? Can you build a house, babe? Can you what can you do? OK, I want those, quote unquote, manly things in my man. Can you protect me if something is happening to me? If somebody stashed my bag, chase out. To his, you, you know? know, when they disinvite uh, you from Netroots last year, it's going to be because of this podcast. <laughs> right. going to be, I was going to say, you should, yeah, you don't want to get canceled. Well, let me just. The but one that's thing, just me. Everybody's I'm, well, no, I, I mean, I hear where folks are coming from. I'm trying to be sens- sensitive to it. I guess I just think, as you put it at the beginning of that, Amani, right? Like you're finding relationship dynamics that work for you. And so for me, the question is like, why do you need to define it in terms of masculinity and femininity, as opposed to this person can build a house? There's some women who know how to build houses. In fact, we could teach everybody to build a house. Well, I like boys, Rakeem, so that's huh? why. No, no, no. I'm, just, I'm not saying you in particular. I'm just saying, I got you. I got you. I'm just saying that trait need not sit on one side or another. Like if you knew how to build a house, why should I go around calling you masculine or not feminine, right? Because you know how to build a house. But the one, one piece of the article that I, because I saw him at um, uh, the TED conference, Richard Reeves, he puts together this whole piece on uh, recognizing that male brains develop more slowly. And that right now we put men and women on the same track in school. And it actually, as a society, what we need to do is basically leave back men one grade relative to their female peers in terms of age, right? So you'd have 14-year-old boys with 13-year-old girls or something like that to the extent the class was co-ed. And it it's the most, uh, it's the, I, I remember watching the audience, just to put, go to Andrew's point for a minute, watching the audience and like, there were a group of people who were just not having it. They were like, you're not doing anything to uplift men's education. Like, what are you talking about when women around the world are denied an education? And I was like, well, that seems weird that we can't have an honest conversation. Like, if it is the case that we are setting many men up for failure, I, at the very least, that they understand themselves as failures because they're not doing as well in school at various moments. We're just to rearrange the school system by a year would give them greater confidence, make them better contributors, increase uh, high school and college graduation rates. Why would we not do that? Um, I don't know if folks read that piece of it or had any response to it, but it it was to me the most striking piece of like, if there is a biological reason (laughs) to do this in mass, right, as we're designing a mass education system, why should we hold ourselves back from the masculine feminine definition or the biological differences between men and women? Well, it feels to me a lot like the feminist movement, much of, not necessarily all, but has defined its notion of accomplishment and success in masculine terms. And to the degree we can get women to be more man-like or more you know, masculine type success embracing, the more power that they'll have. And that seemed to me to be a premise mistake uh, because you're not making women more womanly. You're trying to get women to sort of replace, displace, take over men. And that's bad for men and women. You know, there there are ways in which we are different. And it's not that some crossover, some overlap can't exist. You know, I, I, I would be honest. I don't think of myself as a particularly like masculine type person. I was raised by a single mom. I love to cook. You know, I, you know, are these things, they make me less of a man? No, but I can acknowledge that they're not traditionally maybe masculine things. You know, I'm pretty good at the emotion stuff. I'm pretty good at feeling sensitive. I'll cry at the movie. My wife doesn't, you know, she has less of some of those traits. And so 
does that jeopardize my identity as a guy or her identity as a, as a girl? No, but it's worthwhile to recognize that these categories, even though they might exist, aren't necessarily aspirational for each individual person. We can be in the category without having to excel at each one of those things that are typically identified with our gender. I know it's a bit of a jumble, but those are, I don't know, some of the things that makes me think about. I mean, I think in general, I mean, if we're looking at generalities, I mean, there are things that men gravitate to toward more to more towards women and, and vice versa. I don't think I mean, and some people may want this to happen, but I don't think we'll ever get to a point to where we just have an almost completely androgynous society or a way of viewing things through an androgynous lens. Men and women are different. It's just a matter of how society progresses and how we see those differences, how we view those, what becomes normal, what becomes abnormal and, and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I feel like in dating and stuff, particularly, you can tell these conversations don't happen as much. OK. And the people who are even focused on who's the feminine one, who's the masculine one, that's mm-hmm. a red flag to begin with. Let people just exist in the dynamics that they choose to exist in. And usually if somebody is asking me what makes you feminine or, you know, if I go to a man, what makes you a man like that? Just I feel like that's already coming from a strange angle and we're not you know, just allowing people to exist. So I think that we should focus. Yes, we should have these conversations, especially amongst men, because, this, again, this y'all territory. I'm just offering my opinion as a spectator. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it should be something that we hyper fixate on 24 seven because that further causes the confusion, the division and all the things that we see now. would like to be a part of the debate email us the debate at newsweek.com look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.